Hi, I'm Amy Tian Yi Zhao, a Chinese living in America, and I'm Meg, an American who married into a Chinese family. We're the host of The Spark, a podcast that explores what it means to traverse between cultures, interrupt barriers, and create connections. 大家好，我们是火花电台，一档致力于打破文化边界，偶尔以中英双语录制的播客节目。欢迎你和我们一起用对话启迪思想。用好奇点亮可能。If you look closely at the outdoor industry, you'll see one type of person: white men. Today's guest has set out to change that with an organization called Here Montana that gets the BIPOC community in Montana outdoors. Alex Kim is a first-generation Korean American. He is originally from Maryland, and he's the founder and director of Here Montana. Here Montana is an outdoor program in Missoula, Montana, that serves people of color to increase outdoor recreation around four pillars: joy, community, education, and engagement. When Alex isn't running programs, guiding trips, and enjoying the great outdoors, he loves to eat, cook food, and spend time doing his creative passion, photography, where he focuses on representation and authentic, candid moments. Welcome, Alex. We're so happy you're here. Ooh, thank you for having me. Awesome. We have been excitedly awaiting the day that we get to have this conversation with you.、Um, we first, I first heard about the work that you're doing、um, around Lunar New Year this past year, and it was just super inspiring、um, just to hear about. What you're doing in the outdoor space、um, in Montana, which is a state that that industry runs、um, like crazy in Montana, and it's just really cool、uh, that you're doing this sort of work. And then I talked to Amy, and I said we have to have Alex on the podcast.、Um, it was an absolute must. And so I am just so excited that you're here today. I know Amy's super excited, and the place that I always like to start.、Um, Is is the very beginning,、um, back to the very beginning of your story, and I'd like to just jump in and and have you tell us a little bit about how you grew up. Yeah, thank you, Meg, and thank you, Amy, for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited for this opportunity.、Um, and how did I grow up? And going back to the beginning,、uh, well, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland,、um, and I lived my childhood and teenage years in Maryland. Um, and a lot of that growing up process for me was finding identity,、um, and I think that's something that I'm still currently working on.、Um, being born to two immigrant parents who immigrated、uh, just before I was born,、um, my mom always said, "Inside this house, you're in Korea, and outside the house, when you leave the door, you're in America." <laughs> and so,、um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, and so I lived this duality of like not speaking English when I entered my home, but speaking English when I left the home, and so my I always kind of had this duality that I had to kind of dance with、um, throughout my whole life, and and I think even still today.、Um, but growing up was really good.、Um, you know, I think that it was complicated, like many family dynamics, but、um, you know, I didn't really have the access or The opportunity, or really even the the forethought of the outdoors. Honestly,、um, I was living in more of like a city city suburban environment where the outdoors was 
more of like the trees far away that we can kind of see mm-hmm. but not really get to um but i'd say yeah growing up it was it was a it was a balance learning to balance mm-hmm. can you tell us more you're actually our first um asian american guest that we've had on the podcast yeah um and so your unique perspective i think is very valuable to dive into um your experience um, as an Asian American and just sharing that with our audience and, and offering that perspective. Could you take us more into that identity part of things for you? Like what that, what that experience is like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think being an Asian American is, um, I mean, I'm very proud to be an Asian American. I'm very grateful to be an Asian American where I can celebrate a culture um, and, ethnic- and an ethnicity that um, you know, has predated America and um, has very deep and thoughtful meaning in in our own cultural kind of norms. Um, I think, you know, it, what it goes down to is, is really kind of um, balancing, you know, who I am and can I really fully be myself? And I, and I think a lot of um, first generation or second generation people deal with that because for me it's like I'm Korean American but if we break that down it's like in Korea most people do not see me as Korean they see me as American but in America people see me as Korean or Asian um, and then it's like in my home I'm seen as Korean but with my friends I'm seen as American so who am I supposed to be and when am I supposed to be that person um, and can I fully um embrace all of those identities at one time is that even possible um and if i do how do i gain the respect of people within my own culture and my own ethnicity and then how do i gain that respect between you know people outside of my culture and my ethnicity so i think it's just like a constant like you know like a left and a right like you know and and i think even to this day um i'm trying to figure out how to get those two hands to hold hands um Because I think it really is, you know, something where we have to look back at like what we're taught in our schools, how we're raised, you know, Um, and all of those things really do play a role into it. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I really uh, resonate. I mean, I'm not Asian American, but I think to some extent, I can kind of understand when you say that you are constantly living in a state of uh, in between and looking at your organization i i was i developed an instant interest to hear montana after uh even hearing your name and i'm just adding up to the identity layer i just want to know how how does that identity how does your experience inter how does your identity transition contribute to your outdoor interests and how did that lead to the establishment of here montana that's a great question um i guess i can break it down into two two things uh two parts um how i bring my identity into it is um you know i i'm happy to talk about being a korean american or an asian american in that space um, I think because in that space, we are embracing our identities as, you know, 
um, the different intersections that we bring. So I'm a Korean American, I'm able-bodied, I'm a heterosexual male, like all of these different things. And then, you know, I work with people that are of different identities and intersecting identities. And so for me, I think it is about embracing my identity in front and all about uh, with, with people that are with the program and working with the program and a part of the program. Um, because I want everyone to know that like, you should be proud of who you are, you know, and how you build that identity. Um, it matters, especially in the environment that you're doing it in. And so with the Here Montana program, we focus on being outside. And so how do I bring being a Korean American outside into the woods and the mountains and rivers of Montana? Um, I think for me, that comes out in a lot of different ways. Um, I think one really big way is cooking. Um, like camp food is like pretty boring. Uh, it's pretty bland, <laughs> but I like to bring some, some, some different flavors into it and kind of spice mm -hmm. things up. Um, I think also, you know, my kind of deeply embedded, um, kind of morals and ethics, my parents as Korean people really instilled in me, like being super driven, like being very, uh, thoughtful about what I'm saying and how I'm doing things, um, feeling that kind of guilt that Asian people feel about nothing sometimes. Um, mm. You know, all of these different things have definitely played a role in, in, in how I interact um, with, with, with the program. But in terms of building my own identity, um, it was about looking at a space or being in a space and thinking about how I connect to it truly by being an Asian American and a Korean American. And I think it goes really deep. I mean, I think I am, you know, not native to this land. And so I think I need to acknowledge that I'm here as a visitor myself and as someone that is taking space and how do I respect the space in that regard? And then, you know, and like the next layer of that is like, okay, um, you know, how do I uh, take care of this space that I'm using in the moment? Um, and like, what am I observing? And then when I'm observing things, I think that's when like, you know, I can sometimes hear my mom and she's like, why are you looking at flowers? You should be studying. And I'm like, well, they're both pretty important, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think it comes out in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's silly and sometimes it's serious, but most times I think it is about just feeling like myself, you know, feeling like I, I am who I am and, and can I find and grow uh, my own identity through the outdoors? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That was very beautifully put because I, I remember in the beginning of this interview, you were saying that you are, you know, your parents told you that you're Korean inside of the house and you're American outside of the house. And when we were talking about outside here in the context of here, Montana, we're not only talking about, outside of the door of your family but more so outside as in the nature so in a way that here in montana from an outsider's perspective i feel this is how you connect you being a korean american to the outside like now it's a time where you can be korean american in the outside of your house too like you're just probably being whoever you are and it's just like outside has so many different layers now um so that's just kind of beautiful in a, in a way um but 
going back to the industry though um who i i have i developed this uh idea that um i didn't do much of outdoor activities but so I have like a very basic but very passionate fascination about the industry. Uh, I'm just wondering, how, what was your first perception of this industry in the United States from your perspective? Yeah, um, I actually want to revisit that that previous question real quick and just put in yes. there that, you know, when it comes to why I started the program, you know, I think a big thing for me was that I didn't see myself in this community at all in in Montana um, and I also was dealing with who I needed to be or who I wanted to be in Montana and this program by meeting so many different types of people has really helped to shape who I am like everybody that I've worked with um, has really helped me to understand who I am like what I bring to the community and how we can like collaboratively work together and have these like really intimate and beautiful moments together, like on a boat or out hiking or on bikes or out backpacking, like all of these things has helped me to grow. And I, and I really hope that um, this program has helped other people to grow in their identities in a space as well. But a big reason is because I feel like we all should have a space that allows us to um, grow, but also to like pursue our identities um, in a space. And so that's a, a big reason why I started that program. Um, and in terms of the industry itself, um, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way. I, I thought, you know, the industry was for people that utilized it. And when we say who utilizes it, well, for me growing up on the East Coast, that's just who I see in marketing, right? Because I don't live in Montana. I don't live in the mountains. I did not live in the mountains. And so my perception was based on how I was marketed to as a consumer, um, mm-hmm. you know, very objectively. Um, and so by that being said, I didn't see myself in that. And so I didn't think that that was for me. I thought it was for, you know, people who chose like this lifestyle or um, work um, that, takes you outside of the city, takes you outside of these walls and like puts you into these beautiful places. Um, That's what I thought it was for. Honestly, I thought it was for like, you know, mostly white men and white women who have the privilege to go to camp and be outside all the time and their parents pay for them to experience the outdoors. Um, And, and, and that's not to, you know, I also want to say that in me saying that I also acknowledge that white people in general also struggle like people that's not you know class is an intersectionality that like we don't often talk about but I think you know even there's a lot of white people that don't get to experience the outdoors you know and so I think but when we think about like who is being uh, projected to society as as to who is supposed to be out there I do think that that identity is um, and and has been for a long time been you know a kind of white heterosexual male or woman that's kind of elite in their in their status or in their physical health and um yeah and so that's 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 who I who I thought was was I guess supposed quote unquote supposed to be out there totally and what was I mean for you I I guess what was your first experience in the outdoors like truly in the outdoors growing up in Maryland you said it was more of a city environment I guess what brought you out to Montana and what was your first experience in the outdoors yourself 
I mean, I definitely played around outside as a kid, right? Like yeah. in, 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 even in city environments and urban environments, there are ways, you know, there are parks, there are places where you can experience nature. But I think my very first real like outdoor experience where um, I was actually thinking about this because I was reading your questions and I was thinking about how I would maybe qualify uh, what is my first outdoor experience? And so I'm going to say my first outdoor experience is when I first pooped in the woods. Because <laughs> I, I think that. <laughs> that is like the real, like, you're out there, you got to do it. There is no bathroom for you to use. Yes. You're not going back home in a couple of days. So you got to do it. Uh, and that came to me when I was like 18 years old. And I was in Georgia. And yeah. And I was like, wow, we're out here because we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're camping. This is happening. Um, so that, that was like a very kind of moment where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really outside and I'm experiencing, um, you know, what this like outdoors is supposed to be. I think that's definitely like, that is a, that's a moment where you like cross over and yeah. <laughs> you're like officially inducted into the outdoors when that happens. Exactly. Um, that's the best. I love that. I want to know too, I mean, talking a little bit about, um, you know, who's projected to all of us through marketing um, in the outdoor industry, who and what do you believe are the gatekeepers of the outdoor industry? Yeah. I would say that it's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, you know, I think it's what it's based on. It's based on capitalism. Who has the most money in our society to spend on, you know, guided trips or utilizing really nice gear or being able to go and ski. Um, and I think because of the monetization of the outdoors, that has created the barriers itself. So I think capitalism is a massive gatekeeper to the outdoor industry, because again, I think, yes, there are, um, there is like race and ethnicity, minority and majority type things that are happening. But I think what umbrellas all of us is, is really who has the money to be out there. And I think now looking back into the historical outdoor industry itself there were a lot of people that were dirtbagging right like there are a lot of people that were living with less than enough means um and really really a part of the outdoor industry you know really kind of like you know setting the path forward for what is now some of the biggest companies in the in the industry themselves they were like people that were living like on a tent in the middle of yosemite like doing that kind of stuff and so i think today the gatekeepers you know, in a modern, more modern sense is like, it's the money, it's the monetization of it. It's, it's also, I think, um, historical in the sense of like, who got to utilize the outdoors? Well, you know, when you think about Western expansion, um, what a lot of people don't think about is that while white people were traveling West, uh, Chinese people were building railroads to get people there. Right you know, and that was not a historical thing that's not really talked about. Like, I live in Missoula, Montana, and a lot of the the rail that's built here, and a lot of the land that's, you know, was first taken from Native communities, and then had Chinese people really build on that. And then those people got kicked out, you know, and I think those things really do play a role. Because if those people, Natives, Asian people, you know, 
people who were a part of that expansion were still here, they would probably be thriving, you know, but because they were purposely taken out of that, I think those opportunities really stuck to one group of people that, that, that kind of remained in that time period. And so that history kind of plays out today. Um, And then definitely the representation piece, like going back to like, who's projected onto us, I think gatekeeping is Rep- or I shouldn't say representation is is a vessel to bring more people into the industry. Um, I think lack of representation is what you know what what kind of keeps those gates closed. Um, and I can't speak for anybody in the industry but myself. But I think that for me, representation, what it means for me is like it allows me to see somebody that I can relate to, experiencing something that I want to experience. And if I can put those two things together, then as a consumer, I'm more likely to purchase or or be a part of whatever is being brought to me. But more importantly, it helps me deeper inside as an individual feel like I can do that. You know, like I have uh, someone to show me that that that's possible. And I think like literally most things in life, you are being shown how to do these things, you know, like most kids most children don't just learn how to read and write by themselves. They're being shown that, you know, that's a skill. Um, And much like being outside, if you are shown how to be out there and to be safe and to use the tools that are available to you to be out there, um, you can do whatever you want out there. Um, And so that's, that's a lot of what, what the here Montana program, you know, wants to provide to our communities is, is, is the, the information so that people feel confident and safe when they're, going about their aspirations to be out, being outside. Absolutely. And now you spend all of your time showing people how to be out there. Can you tell us about that? What is that like for you? What are, you shared this very specific moment um, that we, when I first talked with you about the moment that you love when you're out there with people who have never been out before. And um, I don't know if you know exactly what I'm referring to, but I, I'll just give you like a little rough overview of what I'm thinking is that you showed, you told me about like one of your favorite moments when you're out there with um, participants in here, Montana is when there's somebody who doesn't have much experience at all. They're kind of frustrated <laughs> when they're starting out. And then that moment by the end of the day, when they're loving it and they're enjoying what they're doing and they want to do it again. Um, can you tell us about what it's like to show people how, how to, how to go about being in the outdoors? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, some of the most satisfying, fulfilling and humbling experiences a person can have as an adult. Um, I mean, especially for me being that person that's taking someone out there and, and having, that person's trust and um, and kind of their safety and, and all of that kind of um, being something that I need to be considering from them. I think it is seeing that transition of identity. Like in the beginning, someone might not have seen themselves doing whatever activity that we're doing. And throughout the day, you can see this person like growing, like becoming more confident in something, even if it's you know, like if we're on a boat and I'm rafting, sometimes people are gripping the sides of the boat. Like they're just so nervous about falling in the water, but by the end of it, they just kind of let go and they're like, Oh, I'm safe. I can be here. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a lot of moments like that. I think, I think it is really seeing the transition that people go through in a day that feels so fulfilling for me, because 
Um, it's not very often that we get to share those sorts of moments with other people, um, especially with people that you don't know. And so I feel very, like, very honored that people share those moments with me because they are really moments where people are vulnerable, where they feel vulnerable, and yet they still feel like comfortable enough to kind of let go and to be truly like themselves as a person, but also um, just being able to enjoy what they can without worrying about their safety, without worrying about, you know, the, 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 the financial pieces of it, without worrying about who else is out there looking at them. It's like being, being able to be present. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And you said also, um, that here Montana is created around it's, it's founded upon four pillars, joy, community, education, and engagement. Can you break down those four pillars and explain um, the purpose of them and and how they're integrated into into the founding of this organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The kind of four key thing, the four pillars that we, we utilize is, I mean, something that I think that I just wanted for myself I guess you know when it came to the outdoors um but also really thinking about like what it is that you need to have to be out there um and that's where I feel like those four pillars are not just pillars and and kind of the ethics that we want to embrace uh in the program but it's also like tools you know when you're outside you want to be able to experience joy and be happy um you can be out there for a variety of different reasons, but I, I think for, for me and for this program where um, there are, there is so much happening in our different communities, like just being happy is a basic human need that I think if we can help to provide a space for people to experience their own happiness, that is the, that is such a major priority because that's helping people with their, you know, their mental health, their physical health, their spiritual health, and, and with that as a whole person that's hopefully helping them. Um, and then the second one is the community aspect, which in Montana for, for people of color, there is not necessarily like a large community space or broad, more broadly speaking, a lot of communities that intersect with each other. You know, there are definitely communities out here, but everyone's kind of in their own little zone. And so this here Montana community really allows for all of these different communities to come together and kind of share who they are, not just in their race and ethnicity, but also in their, in their age range, in their abilities, you know, in their different identities. Like it's just all, it's just the space of community. And then education is also huge, right? Because without education, how do you feel safe about going out somewhere when all you see is grizzly bears are in Montana and, yeah. and you're like, well, then I don't really want to go out there. But <laughs> I think we can, you know, through education, we can really help to build a foundation of, of confidence where people can feel like, OK, well, yes, there are bears out there, but I'm going to do everything that I can to be prepared for that. And that's the most that one person can do. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with that confidence and education, people can go out there and, and experience the outdoors Um you know, yes, you should worry about bears, but more so just with the confidence and knowing that you know what to do in that situation. And the education also falls under like, even for fishing or boating or rafting, 
or backpacking, you know, there are a lot of legal rules that you need to follow um, because the land is often managed by a government agency or a private landowner or, you know, a city or state. Um, And so how do you access those things in a legal manner? So we talk about a lot of that as well. And then our fourth pillar is engagement. Um, And engagement is really important to me because I think that's where our voices as a community of color can really help to shift systems and institutions. Um, Because when it comes to the outdoors, rules aren't made uh, in your neighborhood. They're normally made on a legislative level where you need to be talking with your city council members or your county commissioners or your senators or your congressmen or whoever it is. And um, with the climate changing so fast, like right now, such a good example, like, you know, the Yellowstone is flooding and that's like, you know, it's, I don't know when the last time that happened was, but, you know, it seems like the climate is changing so rapidly and that's something that affects all of us. And how Mm -hmm. do I, how do I get the here Montana participants in community to engage in that work is like, let's go out and vote for those things. Let's participate in these things where we are actively engaging in the climate conversation, which I think the climate conversation is the environment conversation for me, at least that's how I look at it because climate kind of shifts our environment and we won't have an environment if the climate doesn't, (laughs) you know, if if we're not working to, to do our part. And so I think engagement is just really, really important. And it also empowers people because that a lot, like, it doesn't allow anybody to do anything. What it does is it just empowers somebody to feel and to know that they have a hand in changing something that's bigger than themselves that affects all of us. And I think yeah. all of us should recognize how much power we have um, that we just like hold as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because from what you just said, the engagement pillar from the joy pillar the transitioning all the way to engagement. We've seen a transition of um, the place from a participant all the way to becoming a leader and taking initiative. Um, and I want to know what is a common thread that you've observed observed between the participants in your program? I think it's the unspoken relatability that we have with one another. It's mm-hmm. like when you look at somebody and you're like, I don't know you and I don't really know everything that you've gone through, but in this moment, I can share like why you're here without saying why you're here. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's pretty cool to, to see people do that. you know, like people have never met each other, just kind of acknowledging each other, acknowledging our differences and why that makes each of us a special person. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that's something that, you know, I want to practice in my everyday life, but in terms of this program, I think that is something that that's a common theme is like people can connect on an interpersonal level without even saying anything. They just relate to each other. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people in the here Montana community are, are looking for, you know, it's, it is that connection where, you know, going back to, you know, my own identity, it's like, I don't want to have to always explain what it's like to be an Asian American. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that, that challenge, that in itself is draining. And also like, it's not my job to explain to people what I'm experiencing, you know, mm-hmm. but when I do feel, but when I, when I go with the here in Montana community, 
just to have that look and, and of someone being like, you know, even though I'm not Asian American, I may be, you know, uh, you know, a, a Latin American or, or whatever they might be, but just being like, but I understand you and I can see you for who you are. And like, I get it, you know, that piece of it is, is a really, really big thread and theme that I think is, that's really kind of what, what holds this program together is really that mm-hmm. unspoken connection that we have. That you almost, so beautiful. sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead, Amy. <laughs> oh, I was just saying that you almost give them a new way to, to define because sometimes I think the public expects you as um, an Asian American or like a minority to define yourself by the struggles you've been through. And that was kind of the beginning of our podcast is like, what are the hardships? What are the difficulties? And what are those in between moments, which were also valid and need to be talked about a lot more than what it is right now. But these are not the defining features of, of, of that community. And I don't think when, when you look at some other people that you can be defined as an explorer, as a scientist, um, as so many other achievements that you've done in life, other than just a struggle and the hardships, like these are valid, but th- these are not the only features. And by connecting through natures and through these activities, um, people were connected and spoken like without words because you're connected by nature is like very complicated, trans- like uh, shifting, but at the same time, it's also so simple. Like you were there because you all love nature. And nature, for some reason, historically speaking, uh, we assume that it only be some, belongs to some groups rather than the other. And this is the gate that um, the, the the wall that we are breaking here, and this is the gate that we are opening. So um, that's actually very interesting. I think uh, too. Like, yeah, I, I feel like being in nature, it's an experience that kind of strips everything else away. Like it's. Mm-hmm it's when you're out there, there's no distractions. Like you're able to be like fully present with whoever you're with and what you're doing. And I think that experience unlocks something that I think we wouldn't normally have with one another. And what you're explaining, Alex, just, I'm just thinking about it right now. It just all makes sense why that happens so naturally out there. Um, And it's so beautiful to think about too, just being able to truly see one another. I think that's what we all want at the end of the day is just to be truly seen. Um, and it feels like nature really actually is and talking with you is one of the only places where that can actually really happen. Yeah, it's definitely been a space where, where that connection to one another on a human level. Um, yeah, it just facilitates that, you know, and, um, it's just so many aspects of it really, you know, I think every layer of, of being outside helps to kind of strip away things that we might feel like we bring to it's uh, I mean, this is going to sound super hippie, but like, you know, like when you look at a tree, most trees around you, uh, depending on where you live may have been there for 200 years or may have been plotted there 20 years ago, or maybe even five years ago, or maybe even last week. Um, but what's a common thread and theme in all of those trees is that they stand there through our society progressing and regressing, and they don't seem to care about what 
is happening necessarily. You know, I think that they're affected by our actions as human beings, but you know, they're just kind of there and existing and as, as who they are. And I think, you know, that, that kind of relationship is, is, or maybe not relationship, but that kind of like thought is also how Mm -hmm. I I see um, how our participants coming into these sorts of spaces and, and, and doing outdoor recreation is just like, we've all been through a lot, you know, and some of that has changed us as people, but yeah, to go there and just to be something that, be who you wanted to be and be yourself and you know the world's kind of passing by you I mean that's a very um yeah it's a I mean it's you know we're all really lucky to be able to experience that you know and, and I know that mm-hmm. some people that are probably listening to this podcast or you know have heard about this program don't live in spaces where that's available um and so you know I think you know also acknowledging that that's a big privilege that we have here in Montana yeah is, being able to go out and do that just literally just walking like I don't even need to bike to the woods I could walk to the woods you know and I think that's a massive privilege here but that's also why I think it's so important that this program gets people of color in Missoula outside because we have that space here and I think it should be utilized by everybody and everybody should feel like they can be themselves and feel safe and be whoever they want to be out there and there's no judgment and it's just being seen for who you are and like recreating and having fun and learning new skills. Um, yeah. And what a gift that you're giving to people in Missoula, truly. I mean, that's why, that's why this work that you're doing is so, so impactful and, and caught my eye for sure. Um, truly. Yeah. And I just, this, this organization here in Montana sounds it really embodied your entrepreneurial spirit together with a vision um, that's in the long term, like a goal that that a lot of people want to achieve to increase representation and uh, connection. So what challenges and opportunities have you encountered while creating this organization? Um, I'm very interested in learning more of that. Yeah. Um, definitely very entrepreneurial. Um, you know, I think when starting anything, you know, you've got to just have, have a very clean and clear vision of, of what you want. And I think because a lot of this program was based on my personal experiences and being in the outdoor industry, it kind of helped me to see a very clear, like, this is where I wanted to go. Um, you know, challenges that we've experienced, um, you know, I think a big challenge is like experiencing was through where we were housed so what i mean by that is like any program you know it needs to live somewhere or or have a structure around it so four years ago i did not have a quote-unquote house for it it was my idea we had people engaged we were running programs but it was living at different organizations and so you know, it, it then ended up at the city government, um, where the city parks and recreation decided to take on this program because they'd seen the work. They were like, okay, this is a great idea. We'd love to take this on. Now the challenge of that was, you know, well, there was a lot of benefits, you know, we would not be here without that, that partnership that happened, but I do need to acknowledge that the challenges that were there is that, um, you know, I think, 
if we think about any government, um, it's based on the foundation of assimilation and oppression of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the government wants you to assimilate. It wants you to work in the system within that's set for, for, for them. And then government in general is, ac- you know, it's acquisition, it's acquisition of land, acquisition of, you know, territory, acquisition of people. Um, and because of that historical makeup of the city government, a challenge that we faced was that exact thing, was the assimilation and the oppression of this program. Um, the city government was like, it needs to be this way because this is how we do it. But how does an all white government tell the only people of color organization in the entire state to, to, to do that? That's the exact, that, that's what assimilation is. Right. You know, and, and that idea of colonizing, like they wanted to colonize the program, you know, and then and then by creating those things, they were oppressing the, the program from growing, you know, and, and a lot of those words seem like very like new and like huge words, but really broken down. It, it, that's what it was, you know. And right. so, you know, I think a big challenge that was a massive challenge that that this program faced. Um, and then I think, you know, the other challenges come with any growing organization, right? It's like funding, fundraising, how do we make money? Um, you know, how do we best provide for our community in a way that um, is equally providing for the people that are sponsoring us or partnering with us? Um, so, yeah, I think that was the biggest challenge. But also out of that challenge, you know, was like the rise of like where we are and now, which is like, you know, an autonomous group that is, um, yeah, I mean, we still have our challenges, but our biggest challenge is, you know, we're, we're past that now. And so it's, it's pretty cool to, to have, have done that. And, you know, then we also have like the other things like people trolling us and like little things like that. But I think those aren't necessarily, I don't look at that as challenges because we don't have to actually deal with that. Do you, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to jump like just, just to put words in your mouth, but it just sounds like your struggle with the Montana government just sounds like your biggest client yet in a way, in a way, like, you know, because what the here Montana is trying to do is to impact more people and to add more people of color in an outdoor space, but then there's this juggernaut and um, pushing it back it's you know it's definitely a biggest challenge but it also sounds like if you can do that you can do anything type of situation you really will add more people of color once you convince them uh, instead of becoming a focal piece just another picture on the poster well, um, I think, I, yeah I'm glad that you highlighted that experience Alex because I think it it really paints a portrait that these sorts of things, this, this oppression is everywhere. And it's like, we're dripping in it in America and it's in every single corner. It's in every single nook and cranny. And especially for people who are trying to be change makers and do really powerful and meaningful work, they're not immune from it either. Um, and I just want to say like, kudos to you for standing up for your organization above all else in the face of that and calling it out for what it is and um and really taking it back and and protecting it you're protecting that organization in essence when you're protecting the organization you're protecting its purpose and you're protecting the participants and that is how we make change 
um, in this country. And that's how we continue to forge a different way forward that doesn't involve control and oppression and keeping people, quote unquote, in their places. Um, so I just want to say that. Yeah, thanks, Meg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also, it's almost like the creation of this organization is to make it harder for whoever is holding power and, and want to stick to the status quo instead of making their lives easier by having a free people of color ad available for them. Mm. It's like their life should always be more difficult instead of being easier. So keep fighting a good, good fight. Um, yeah. <laughs> on that note, what are your hopes for here in Montana? Yeah, a lot of hopes for the program. You know, I think this piece of my entrepreneurial brain, I don't want to set any limits for it, you know, and I don't want to set a huge direct vision for it now that it's operating and running. I, I think that a big hope is that we get to be a part of a larger conversation um, because we are this like really small little bubble in the U.S. And with that, my hope is that we get to be an example of how we can embrace um, embrace the people in our communities and and create spaces for people to be themselves and to grow and to like be a model for that uh, for the industry because you know um, there are a lot of programs like the one I'm doing and I'm friends with a lot of people that are running these programs you know and we are all in different places in the United States and each environment is providing its own set of challenges and its own set of successes and you know my hope is is that you know the successes and challenges that we experience here in Montana can help someone else out, you know, in the country that's trying to do something like this. And, you know, another big hope is that, you know, is that, that we get to find solid funding. Um, And I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, funding is still a massive piece of any organization and it has to be considered. And I think to not make that be a hope would be foolish. Right. Because like, yeah, like if, if we don't have the funding to, to continue to do this, then this program is, you know, is, is without funding. And so I think it is to find a solid thread of funding or a solid funding stream. And so, you know, that's also there as well. So being a part of the larger conversation and making change, you know, finding fundraising and also like, you know, engaging with more of our community here in Montana, you know, I think it's, for me, it never has been about like, oh, what communities have we like not worked with or et cetera, because I don't think that we're helping necessarily anybody. We just want people, we want to empower people. It's like you come and hang out with us and we hope that you walk away feeling, you know, empowered and engaged in like this world that you want to be engaged in and empowered in, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, I think too, like, um, I think the more opportunities that we come across, um, you know, the more my hopes for this program grows, you know, like this, this year we have two back, we have three backpacking trips, you know, last year we only had one, you know, and so next year, maybe we can run programs all summer, you know, because it really is benefiting our community in so many ways. And I think another big hope is that, um, is that people can see the impact and understand it in a way where it is not offending them. 
or not making anyone else feel less than or less qualified or anything like that. It's just that, you know, sometimes communities in this particular moment, communities of color in Missoula, you know, everyone wants to have their moment, you know, and it's like, can we have our moment and rise with everyone else? You know what I mean? I think that that's a big hope as well, because I I think these sorts of programs can often be diluted or become something else. But I really want to stick to stick to the the values of just like we want to bring joy, we want to build a community, we want to educate people, and we want all those same people to be engaged in, in the same things. I love that. I just am such a fan of what you're doing with this program. And I think with the way that you've been talking about it and everything that you've described and everything that you've been through with this program, what I admire the most is, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, is just how you've um, stayed true to its integrity. You've you've stayed true to your integrity and you haven't wavered on that. And I want to know, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the evolution of the, of the participants that you get to see on a daily basis um, as they participate in, in this program. I want to know for you, um, having, after starting this program until now, what is your personal ev- evolution through this whole process of founding here, Montana and, and running it? Ooh, that's a deep question, Meg. Um, <laughs> I think this goes back to what we were bringing up and talking about earlier, like finding my own identity. Um, I think the biggest evolution for me is like feeling comfortable about myself and being myself. I think that in a weird way, I've, I mean, I'm still growing as a person, absolutely, but I've, I found a version of myself that I'm comfortable with and that I'm proud of and I feel good about. And I think that um, is just like a really beautiful thing because I think all of us really want that for ourselves, you know, and I think everybody that I've worked with and the challenges and successes, like all of that has kind of shaped me into someone that I actually want to be. And I think to be, to be able to say that is, uh, I feel really lucky to be able to say that. And I think that's a huge evolution because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know who I needed to be. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do or, or who I want, who I wanted to be or who I need. I didn't know any of that. You know, I would say before I started this program, I was just struggling with that immensely. And, you know, I think a lot of that was because maybe I didn't even like myself, you know, so that's why I was wondering what I needed to be or who I needed to. Yeah. But this program has really helped me to develop my own identity and and kind of um, embrace myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's the evolution but I'm still evolving and I don't want to cap it there. You know, I've got a lot to grow in and and learn and struggle with and deal with, but for right now, you know, for the first time in a long time, I can say I like myself a little bit. That's great. (laughs) Like we always say next year is going to be the best year. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But it's this year, Amy, it's this year. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Jumped ahead a little bit fast. Oh, that is so, I, I think that's where we all want to end up, you know, is to be able to say that um, and Mm -hmm. be able to be on that path of evolution, but be able to say, I like who I am right now. And I really enjoy where I'm at. I think there's nothing better, better than that. And gosh, this conversation has just been 
absolutely incredible. I know those listening out there are definitely um, in the same boat as Amy and I. I cannot wait to um, for people to hear your story and to hear all about here, Montana. And I just want to, the last thing I want to ask is, how can people find you? How can people engage with Here Montana? And um, what trips do you have coming up? Where can people connect with you um, in the digital realm? And yeah, how how can they how can people engage with Here Montana and and you? Um, so we have a website. It's www.heremontana.org, and that's Montana spelled out. And on our website, we have um, all of our upcoming events. Um, We have all the information that you would need to know about the program. And you can also reach out to us. An email for us, if you want to reach out, is info at heremontana.org. Always feel free to email us. We would love to just connect with anybody. And then we have an Instagram, which is at here underscore Montana. Um, and that's also Montana spelled out. And so, yeah, you can find us on the web on our website, www.heremontana.org, uh, email us info at heremontana.org or Instagram, which is at here underscore Montana. And yeah, I mean, stay connected. We stay pretty active on our Instagram and on our website. Some upcoming events we have is we have uh, climbing nights at our climbing gym starting on the 20th, 6 to 9 p.m. And then we also have some rafting trips coming up as well as backpacking trips and local hiking. Um, So this summer is definitely packed for us and we are super excited to just start going outside and like playing and um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for um, taking the time to sit down and, and have this conversation with us. It, it means so much and we're just so happy um, to have you on the spark. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Amy. Thank you, Meg. Thanks for, for everything. This conversation has been really valuable. And, um, I mean, I learned a lot about myself even in this conversation and yeah. So thank you all about for that. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation. If you haven't already, please rate and review this podcast. You can also connect with us on Instagram at spark underscore podcast and Facebook at the spark podcast with Meg and Amy, or send us an email at hellosparkpodcast at gmail.com. And wherever you may be listening from, we hope you have the courage to be the spark.